0: Hello and welcome to Minta Dialogue, episode number 188. Today is Tuesday, 29th of March, 2016, and this interview is with Charlene Lee, Principal Analyst and Managing Director and Founder at Altimeter. Charlene is a best-selling author, mega-influencer on LinkedIn, speaker, and expert on leadership and business strategy. In this podcast, we talk about the challenges and keys to success in digital transformation how to articulate the role of leadership throughout the digital transformation process, and the need for leadership to be digital, and much more. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset. That's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick and enjoy the show. So Charlene Lee, I'm I would, I'm so happy to have you on. I mean, I've been a fan of what you've been saying and doing and writing. So would you, uh, for those of you who don't know, you, describe uh, who you are and what's your mindset?
1: Oh, I love that question. So who I am, I am an analyst, first and foremost, a writer blogger and author of quite a few books. My latest book is The Engaged Leader, which I launched at South by Southwest a year ago. And my mindset is, I think I am a curious optimist, very curious about the world and quite optimistic about what the potential is for the future. Don't you
0: find that in today's world, uh, this curiosity is, is potentially a black hole because there's so many things to be curious about?
1: Well, there's this curiosity, but also, um, I think underneath it too is this drive to dive deep into things, which keeps me focused. I do have to say though, sometimes I get so distracted by all the things I'm seeing out there that it's, it's really hard. I think it's really hard to, um, pull yourself out of what you call the black hole because you can just spiral down and, and the internet's one of the worst things you could ever do to somebody who is, Attention issue. Or who's curious. Um, even. Yeah. But uh, at the same time, though, I think the curiosity for me isn't a fleeting curiosity. It's about digging down deeper and deeper and deeper into, well, what's really behind that? Well, what's driving that? Um, I'll give an example. My first book was uh, The Swell. I just explained this whole phenomenon called social media back in 19, um, 2008. And it was, I mean, that was less than 10 years ago. Yeah. And yet people were like, what do you do with this? And one CEO came to me and goes, okay, I get it. I know I need to do all this stuff. My company needs to do this stuff. But how open do I need to be? How transparent? How authentic? And on the surface, that's such a silly question. Yeah. But the more I thought about it, I became very curious about well, what's behind that. And the, the reason is because... As an organization, as a person, as a leader, you can't be open and transparent and authentic 100% of the time. Nobody is.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So how do you figure out what that line is going to be drawn? Mm -hmm. And that became the subject of my second book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It just just keeps going on and on. These um, things I write about, research, think about deeply then spurn more questions, and through it all, it's it's a desire to just understand more what's really behind a lot of these questions. So on top, it's not what's on the surface,
0: right? But on and on top of that, you've got things are moving underneath. So as you might have explored, let's say transparency and authenticity, uh, at a certain point in time, the expectations, the the competitive set and the opportunities and risks uh have made even that answer not you can't have a stable answer to that
1: agreed and that's the whole issue that i explored in my book um, open leadership is what level of openness is expected of you and it does shift over time in the circumstance and the person you're with and the organization and frankly as you as a leader and so I'm not advocating that you be 100% open. Sure. It's figuring out how open you need to be in order to accomplish your objectives and goals. And that is a, a dance in many ways and a journey that you have to go through. And it will change over time too. And it will be different for every single person. Hmm. So the key is figuring out what is that level. Hmm. And it's really important to figure out what your personal strategy, or your organization's strategy is going to be you are transparent just to be transparent you're transparent with a goal in mind right, let me just
0: dig one second into that because i'm thinking about you know how do you approach that as when when you are consulting with a company is this something that has to be a, a board level a, an executive committee level discussion or both and or can it just be uh, reduced down to a conversation with the ceo how 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 does one actually establish that that level that you're talking about
1: well many times the organ you're walking into an organization it's already been established for you because you have a certain culture they call it this culture that's evolved over time about how often do you share information and how do you make decisions those are the two ways to determine how open you are the two hallmarks what information gets shared with whom and who gets to make decisions on what issues so it's very nuanced across all of those areas. It's A very practical way and an audible—I can't say it—auditable <laughs> way to be able to do this. So it isn't a theoretical way. You actually sit down. And you go, "What would we be open about in terms of sharing information and making decisions?" And you can go systematically through that. So is it at the board level? Fundamentally, you have a decision that you've made at some point as an organization. We will share this information and not that. We will make decisions in this way and not that way. But those are done at each level in for each situation. And if you want to change that, then you need to go back to other participants in those, in those processes, in those activities, and have an agreement about how open will we be? What will that process look like?
0: For having worked in, a, in, a, in one large organization for 16 years of my life, L'Oreal, I, I'm, I'm thinking back to this, and I'm thinking, well, just how accurate is the self-rendition of how open I am. So when you go into the organization, how open are you guys? Oh, we're very open. You know, everyone wants to sort of say it because it sounds like a, a naturally positive thing to be in a sense. Oh no, 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 I'm, I'm cagey as hell. I'm secretive. I don't keep anything. I keep everything from everybody. It's not exactly something that would, you know, uh, you'd volunteer. So how do you, how do you overcome what might be sort of biases in the way they perceive their openness?
1: I asked them, asked like, yes, a very simple question, but it has a very complex question. The, the, my follow-up would be to the supposedly very open company. Well, what are you closed about then? What don't you share? And I asked that of Facebook. Facebook is um, a, a very open organization. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg's dashboard is visible to every single person in the company. So they see what he sees mm-hmm. because he wants people to know what do I care about? What's really important to me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But there are things that they do not share. And they're very clear about what they do not share. For example, if they're negotiating uh, a lease, if they are in the process of a strategic hire, mm-hmm. you know, th- there are just certain things that you don't share, but they're very clear about, we're not going to talk about those things. Mm-hmm. We're not going to share salaries. But other organizations will ser- share salaries. So it's knowing, again, and having agreement on that, Um, As an organization, that's important.
0: So you get to work with a lot of banner names, Charlene, and being out in San Fran, as you say, you're getting access to Facebooks of the world. So my first thought was, well, when you're dealing with digital transformation, which is obviously sort of on the agenda for so many companies, how do you see bringing successfully digital transformation into these more traditional, quote unquote, brick and mortar, you know, whatever? old-fashioned businesses yeah.
1: well first of all my, my message to them is that like digital transformation actually isn't very much about digital about you using digital tools and because they oftentimes like what are the tools and platforms we should be on to be digital and i go you already know what those are and in many ways your customers are already digital we think of digital transformation as more of a people issue it is the transformation part is what's hard it's about Asking people to work and think in a different way, that mindset, as we were talking about before, which is digital and mindset. And um, because digital forces you to work in a different way. So when I talk to traditional companies, I talk about people and in particular about their customers and their employees, understanding who they are, how they want to work, because you can't change that. That's the one thing you cannot change. You cannot change the way people are when you encounter them so you need to meet them where they are. So the reason to go through a digital transformation is because of a people issue. because you believe in having a relationship with them. And that one of the key ways to have a relationship with them is through digital channels. Hmm. So you can choose not to do this. And we'll talk about this later. I think mm-hmm. you can choose not to go through a digital transformation, but then you're saying this relationship is not going to be as full as it potentially can be. Hmm. And, and companies go well. I don't want that. I want the deepest relationship I can with my customers and my employees. Then I go. You must become digital. Then,
0: all right. So, what would be the keys to success to making this transition? So, you've met them where they are. They are at point A, and they decide they want to go deep, improve. How how do you dimension success for them?
1: Um. I think, again, it's not just knowing who they are, but really deeply understanding who they are and revolving everything around that customer experience, that employee experience. But then it's setting a strategy of what is it that we are going to do to meet them where they are, because you can't do everything. And if you don't have a clear idea of what your strategy is going to be, what your purpose and mission is as an organization, of how to meet the needs of those customers then you're not giving clarity to the rest of the group, the rest of the organization of how we're going to meet our objective. So I think about the need to go through digital transformation, but how and what ways, because we have to make choices because strategy is what you will do and just as importantly what you won't do. Mm. And that sense of clarity, I think oftentimes is missing.
2: Mm. And
1: then after that, it's, a, it's about leadership and culture. Your leaders have to understand what that customer experience is, what that challenge is, the people that you're trying to reach. Set the strategy and then lead. And leading is about inspiring people to stay on that course, to set the course and to to make sure that people stay on it.
2: Mm.
1: And bringing people together to agreement about how we're going to get get on that road Mm -hmm. and then making sure people stay on that road.
0: So if you don't have a, a clear purpose, that's I'm carrying, I'm capturing from what you say, that's a hindrance. What are the other big issues that then come up that, that are hard, if you don't have them, sort of sine qua non, or will not, will, you know, will impede real progress? How-
1: right. Again, I ask people all the time, we sit down and they call me in, they call Terminator in and they say, well, we need a digital transformation. Mm-hmm. We need to go through this. We need to become more digital. I'm like, great. So t- lay out for me your strategic plan. What are your objectives? How? What are your missions? How? What are you guys here for? And I get this sort of awkward <laughs> shuffling back and forth shifting in the seat. Well, you know, we, we kind of – but we just want to sell more stuff.
0: Yeah. We want to meet the shareholder expectations for the end I, of March.
1: Yeah. And I just thought, no, that's not going to work. You know, and I just want – we, we can kind of work around – if you really do not have anything more than just, we want to sell more stuff, raise the stock price meet shareholder expectations, then we're not going to, it's not going to sustain you through what is going to be a very, very hard journey ahead. Because people you will need, people will need a higher sense of purpose of why they're doing this. And frankly, there are so many, it's such a competitive space out there Your employees will go to a place that will offer this um, or they will go, your customers will go to an organization and buy pretty much the same product from somebody who has that sense of purpose and mission. And it it translates translates into everything that you do. So
0: if I mean, so of all the things one hears and you and I are, are frequently in this kind of a space where we're talking about. Customer centricity, or employer engage, employee engagement, or employer centricity—whichever you know—which one should we do first? How about uh, organizations which really don't really care about their, or don't even know, should we say, to care enough about their customer? Uh, I mean, are these are these just bound to die and as dinosaurs?
1: I, I look at it this way when I encounter a leader or an organization that just goes, you know, we just don't know about the customers and you know, all we know we need to do it um, or they say they do but they really don't they don't invest the time into it and I, and I just really have to stop them. Mm-hmm. And I just went, really? If I were, like, really and 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 they kind of and if nothing else I'll shame them into it. Right. Because I go, is this how you want to be treated? Is this how you want to do it? Because I can give you all the other examples of companies in your industry. And frankly, it's no longer even the companies in your industry. Your competition is Amazon. Your competition, I like to say, is Kanye West.
2: Hmm.
1: It's, um, It's all these other people taking share of wallet and attention from you that are going to win the hearts and minds.
0: So we talked about traditional companies. I thought I was just as listening to you in the Facebook comment before. I have this niggling feeling that these sort of modern companies, let's say Twitter 2006, or even the Facebook and these other entities that are now sort of big dinosaur, or well big anyway, internet companies. To what extent do you see they needing to undergo <coughs> transformation now? Is this... Is this something where we're sort of in in a V2 stage or is is that not so much their preoccupation? What do you think?
1: Um, I think every organization is going through a constant transformation. And what I think about it is you're always on a journey to better understand and to better meet the expectations of your customers. I think of it as not so much you know, design thinking is a great way of thinking about it, but people don't understand what that means. I think I boil it down to customer obsession. Are you obsessed with your customer? And I put employees into that too as well. You're obsessed with meeting people and understanding what their conditions are, because unless you're obsessed, you're going to be beaten by somebody who's more obsessed than than you are. So this is more than just centricity or focus. It's really about obsession. And do you have a culture of customer obsession? in your organization because nothing less than that will do. You have to be obsessed and driven by this every single day. And so the digital transformation that large organizations have is how do I keep that? How do I keep that focus Mm -hmm. and that intensity Mm -hmm. and sense of purpose as we grow? And I would add a second one is how do we keep the agility of a small organization Mm -hmm. as we grow? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm, I'm working on a new book, which is looking at how do you, Create this sort of disruptive organization, a disruption strategy as a way of life. It isn't something that you do only in a time of crisis in response to a burning platform. You want to feel like you're constantly on a burning platform. And the only way I know how to do that is to keep up with the fastest moving thing in your universe, which is your customers. They move faster than you could ever imagine. And keeping up with them would require nothing less than obsession. Hmm. So I um, I think you're asking about how do I move these big behemoths? How do we organize them? And, and um, do they need to go through a digital transformation? I think of it as turning the battleship, the aircraft carrier. Yep. And... When you turn an aircraft carrier, people think, oh, it's too hard, so I'm not going to bother turning it. And I actually had a chance to spend a day on the aircraft carrier hmm. the USS Nimitz, wow. and it is 5,000 people, mm-hmm. mostly 18 and 19-year-olds. <sighs> and when the captain says, turn, guess what 5,000 people are doing? Making they're doing time. nothing but turning. Mm-hmm. And it takes them between two and five miles to turn, depending on how fast they're going. So it takes a very long term to turn a aircraft carrier. But my goodness, when it turns, that thing is headed at you. You don't want to be in its way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now imagine if a large organization could turn like that. Mm-hmm. Well, and what just you're because saying, it's large doesn't mean it can't turn. It just takes a while. But once it turns, the startups, the other players in the space better get out of its way.
0: Well, it certainly needs concerted effort. As in, you know, everybody needs to be participating in that change.
1: Which is what I talked about, the sense of what the strategy is, what that change is going to be, what the path is going to be, the leadership and the culture then to make sure that everybody understands what that change is going to be and everybody's aligned on that and then making sure that we stay on that path.
0: All right, so taking another sort of uh, beat on the story, what are the types of companies, sectors, sectors, that you've come across that either don't want to or don't need to go digital uh, you know i think of uh, i have a someone i know who, who sells 10 million dollar and a more expensive uh, yachts is it really important for him and his reasonably small organization to be listening on social media or getting digital or whatever what's how do you how do you look at that
1: Well, I I look at it this way. They may not need to be on Facebook because, you know, these larger tools. But I think for them to stay on top of the trends, to be listening to what other yacht buyers and trends are doing and maybe publishing around that. Um, But more than anything else, it's really engaging, I would imagine, around the images. I mean, I can think about all the different ways what they would want to engage and talk with people, even if it's just a community of $10 million yacht owners. Um, who could share in this very exclusive lifestyle that they have, that may be of interest, that may not. But I would ask them to say, have you looked at this? Have you thought about it? Have you considered it? Because in order to buy a $10 million yacht, you're probably buying a $5 million yacht. Before that, a $1 million yacht. Before that, a $20,000 boat. So your future yacht buyer, you want to nurture along the way Mm. and engage with them because it may take them 10 years before they actually buy from you. But do you want to only talk to them when they're ready to buy a $10 million vote mm-hmm. or do you nurture that relationship along? And having worked with some of the luxury good providers, they absolutely want to nurture that future buyer. Mm-hmm. They want to identify who they are, meet their aspirational needs, put out the Instagram pictures so they can um, put out and pin them onto their boards and they keep that on their desktop so they can dream about their $10 million. App. It's an inspiration for them to go out and start that.
2: Yeah, not to really
0: mention cool the fact that there are other types of sta- stakeholders out there like, well, let's say the magazines, uh, the child of the wealthy person who might buy it, and so on that might also participate in the decision, right?
1: Right, exactly. So I, I keep going back to you just never know, but and I have full respect for people who say, I've taken a look at this, and it's not the right thing for me. and mm-hmm. um, it, And I have full respect for that. But I ask that you go through the process of having thought about it, Mm -hmm. of making that strategic decision that I will or will not do this. I have a great example. Uh, Ginny Romney, who is the CEO of IBM, has a Twitter account, but she never uses it. And it kind of looks funny, right? She's the head of a big tech company. She's famously quote engaged. People think that she's incredibly digital as a as a leader, but she doesn't tweet. And when you ask her about it, her team, and, and I, I was talking to her about this directly, she goes, you know, I took a really hard look at it because I know a lot of my peers are using this. And she goes, I'm just not comfortable doing 140 characters. It's not the medium that I choose to be in. Mm-hmm. I don't feel I can be authentic. And mm-hmm. frankly, I don't have the mind space and this is not the way I want to engage, Mm -hmm. but we have it there so that we see where the dialogue, people can respond to me. And then I can take that and respond in channels where I am more comfortable. And she's comfortable in video. She's comfortable in the comments and the discussions and jams and chat rooms, Mm -hmm. discussion boards. She's incredibly engaged internally, especially because Mm -hmm. her belief Mm -hmm. is that her focus needs to be on turning around the big, Battleship called ship right. co IBM, mm-hmm. and well, that comes from inspiring her employees.
0: IBM has certainly been uh, hiring interesting personalities. I, I don't know if you know Andrew Grill over here in, in the UK and Gabriel uh, Lane Peters, other IBMers of atypical, uh, I would say, backgrounds, but very, very digital and, and switched on. So I can, I'm following what they're up to. We're just so we've just been talking about um, Jenny about uh, at IBM. What about? Working with CEOs and how how important is them for for, for them to be to be digital? So um, you know, and how do you how far do they need to go in terms of their activity?
1: Um, I think it's extremely important that they quote be digital in. Three ways. The first way, and I I talk about this in my book, The Engaged Leader. Sure. The first way is uh, to just listen. Listen at scale. Because digital allows you to understand who these customers are, who these employees are. What are they saying? What's important to them? Uh, One CEO I was speaking with said, my biggest challenge as a CEO is to understand what's the truth. What's real out there? And not filter through other people, but from the mouths of the people I care about the most. Mm-hmm. And it allows him a window into the truth of what's really going on. And so just that listening can be incredibly powerful. And if you do nothing else, just listen, because if you just listen to um, what customers are saying, the next time you go into a boardroom meeting, you say to your team, you know, I was just on LinkedIn and I was reading this really interesting series of tweets and conversations from people from a set of our customers. What do you guys know about what's going on with that?
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I guess what people are going to start doing, they're going to start reading LinkedIn. They're going to start going and paying attention to what you pay attention to. And my sense is that as a leader, if you believe that your organization needs to be more digital, then you need to be digital yourself in whatever way you're most comfortable. And at a minimum, be listening. Even if you're asking people to do the listening, and then you come and digest that in the form of a a daily digest or weekly digest. It it doesn't mean that you have to do the work yourself.
0: So one of the things you said was then you need to listen at scale. What were the other two reasons?
1: um, The other one is to share, to share, to shape the relationship. And again, thinking about the people who you care about, what do they need to hear from you? Because you've now listened to them. What do they need to hear from you in order to take action? So it's not sharing your lunch, you know, people ask all the time: Do I? Do people really care about what I have for lunch? And like, believe me, I don't care what you have for lunch. What I care about is what you talked about over lunch. What's important to you, and give me insight into how that can help me better achieve our objectives as an organization. And this is where a key difference is between, I think, uh, some of the digital natives who are not leaders and leaders who are not digital natives. Mm-hmm. Leaders know how to focus people on getting action to take objectives. So everything they do is focused on ensuring that people are pulling in the same direction. So they will share with that context. People who are not leaders share in the context of themselves. Well, what's important to me? What do people care about me? Because it's in the context of a relationship with me. They don't share thinking about other people. What do other people need to hear? in order to take action. So I think it's much easier to teach a leader how to use digital to be a leader than to take people who are digital and teach them how to be a leader using digital because they don't know how to be a leader. Mm. They're not as good at understanding how to move the hearts and minds of people.
0: One of the things that I hear a lot of uh, CEOs doing or organizations, I mean, we, you and I see, are, of course, the famous chief digital officer. What is your what's your viewpoint of the nomination of a CDO and what is going to make that a successful nomination or and or should we just not have one?
1: I think some organizations definitely need one um, because they need somebody to drive this digital transformation across the board. and but I think also there should be a path to say, how do I think about digital in the future? I think about this as my digital ecosystem inside an organization. So depending on where digital sits, what its purpose is going to be, what that digital transformation looks like, that role will evolve. I've seen um, recently one organization have a CDO reporting to the CMO. And then their plan was for the CDO to be parallel and appear to the CMO. And then the next step was to combine those two roles. In other places, I see the CDO reported directly to the CEO and working very closely with the other members of the C-suite. But it's very clear that this is a very highly functioning team. So while people had their individual departments, they had other cross-functional roles. The CDO wasn't the only one. They had a chief customer officer, too, as well mm-hmm. as well a as CDO which is, again, another area of chief customer officer that goes across all the departments, typically, across geographies, across departments. So it, every organization is going to approach this differently. But I think somebody, if you think about digital, I think in the long run, I, I think about digital isn't an activity or a department. It is something that everybody in the organization does.
0: Touché. I mean, the other day, it's like you know, nominating a head of diversity, You know, so they, you know, I've seen lots of organizations, you know, nominate a black person to be head of diversity and say, well, you know, you bring it in, you know, because you're black Uh, or or you're a geek. You bring in digital. And yet it's really something that 100 percent of people need to be. And just like diversity uh, and uh, digital, these are things which everybody needs to espouse.
1: Right, and, and I would say that the diversity issues, especially in tech and business today, are a huge issue. And I think it's important, especially if you're early on in your maturity cycle of understanding diversity. It is very important to have somebody who understands what that state of mind looks like so you can speak that truth to people who have never been in those shoes. There's, there's no replacing that. Hmm. And over time, if you want to talk about somebody doing that who isn't um of a diverse background then you can talk about what that looks like eventually but i think in in the end you need somebody at that table who has been through this who can talk about this Mm. especially when people just kind of have are so uncomfortable talking about it i mean it is a really tough issue It goes to the roots, especially um, in the U.S., where it's so divisive right now with the Mm. atmosphere. But it's an issue across the board, and it's not just diversity in terms of racial or gender, but in terms of background, social, economic, political, uh, sexual orientation. um, All of it is is just very hard for people to talk about.
0: Political political correctness. So, um, Charlene, you were at South by Southwest. For people who who, um, there are a lot of naysayers and it's too big. What's your feeling? Is it worth it? Would you go next year? What's your, oh
1: yeah, i love it. I absolutely love it. Mm. It, Yeah. It's huge, Mm. but that's part of the beauty of it. First of all, if you want to find somebody, see somebody, if you're there for two, three days, you're a good chance. If you really want to see somebody, they really want to see you. You will see each other.
0: That's how we met. That's how we saw each other.
1: And that's how it's done. And then there's the serendipity of it. And, uh, so, I just have the most random, random <laughs> conversations with people.
0: you got to be open to that. So um, my last question for you, Charlene, is what what are the things that you're excited about in terms of new tech? You know, since we've just been at South Bay there's lots of stuff there. But what, what, what excites you?
1: I mean, the hot topic today is um, virtual reality and its role in gaming. I'm actually interested in, and I went to the New York Times uh, discussion around this and, and sat down mm-hmm. with the their, their, um, VR editor I'm excited about the new experiences and especially the empathy that virtual reality can bring to storytelling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: More than anything else, what happens, first of all, I just think it's so, it's it's not something that you can kind of ignore when it's in the room. It's this big, huge rig of a camera right now. Right. And it's just like this monster looking at you. Right. Uh, I think eventually it's going to become much more subtle. It's going to be new. T- I mean, we're so early on in this. We're like mm-hmm. in the black and white talky days of, of movie making but what are the stories we can tell um and from a commercial point of view what are the brand experiences we can bring but more from a human point of view how are we going to touch each other with vr in the future what are the i can i can imagine my children when they have children the kind of experiences they're going to immerse themselves in for me to be able to go back and not just imagine, remember a memory from a photograph i mean you look the photograph you kind of like have to you kind of remake your memory but instead we're going to capture important parts of our lives with vr and we're going to be changing the way we remember things and experience things and the way we even connect with each other because of that so i'm very curious about how vr is going to change our lives And and also a little bit worried because when you're in a room with people with VR headsets on, it's one of the most odd experiences. Everyone is in their own little world connecting with each other.
0: Well, they're immersed in that little world.
1: Right. One of my favorite books is a um, a book called Ready Player One, where the entire experience is through these um, haptic and VR experiences. And the whole entire book experienced that way. And then when two players actually meet each other in real life, it's kind of awkward because they're not at all what they're like. And it's, mm. you see that in experiences and gaming as it is.
0: Well, um, I mean, not to we, mention the social media and the different presences we put out there.
1: Exactly. And so these are all, I think, ways that we are practicing for this future. So there's a part of me that's very optimistic about what it can do for the human condition, but also... A little bit worried in the same way that social media has not been the nirvana that some of us actually imagined.
0: Well, I think being uh, having keeping a critical eye will be important in all these changes. Charlene, you have been a um, uh, honorable and getting up so early to join me on this show. So thanks for doing that. What's the best way for someone to track you down, follow you, uh, and connect
2: with you?
1: Well, all of my handles are Charlene Lee, C H A R L E N E L I. That's my Twitter, my LinkedIn, my Facebook, and also my blog.
0: Exemplary personal branding.
1: (laughs) It's kind of easy when you have a unique name. It
0: does help. Charlene, listen, have a great day. Thanks for coming on the show and look forward to staying in touch. Thank you so much. Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com. That's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it on iTunes. That really makes my day. Happy trails and enjoy Josh Sachs' Painted Fingers.
3: Oh, fill me with all your colors any different way To rid me of the gray that you mention in your lack of self-security.